Would you open God's precious holy word to Psalm 105, the greatness of his covenant. When David was carrying the ark from where it was to where he wanted it to be, they sang or chanted or quoted the first 15 or so verses of this psalm, which leads many to believe that David is the author of this psalm. Well, the greatness of his covenant. So let's look at it together. First of all, in his covenant is his great promise to his people. Here are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, what, nine maybe? Nine elements that are here, nine elements of worship. What, what, does, what does worship include? Well, here's some good pointers right here. First of all, it includes thanksgiving. Give thanks to Yahweh. Secondly, it involves faithfully calling up upon his name. Give thanks to Yahweh. Call upon his name. There's great power, of course, in the name of Yahweh. Next, by exclamation or in modern times exposition or exegesis, make known his deeds among the peoples. So thanksgiving, calling out to him in faith, expecting him to respond, which would include, I'm sure, prayer. Then proclaim what we know about him to everybody. Everybody. Now this is, this is a time, if you think of the first 15 or so, this is a time when Israelites were carrying the law that God had given to them, the Ark of the Covenant, carrying it to the place where they expected to build a temple. And they wanted the expression, the, the uh, divinely inspired word to the psalmist is that the works of God are to be exclaimed, taught, and made known to everybody, the peoples. Next, worship involves singing. Sing to him. Sing songs. I like the way that uh, it's described. Sing to him. To him. Then talk to him. Talk to him of all his wondrous works. This is part of thanksgiving and prayer. But in part of talking to God, you make him mindful of the truth that you understand how great he is and what he's done. If, if we're in a time of prayer, personal prayer in our prayer closet, we thank God for saving us. For all that went into our lives that carried us to that special moment, that special point where we, from our perspective, responded to the call of God. All of the things that God does for us today. So 
talk to him of all of his wondrous works. The next element listed here in worship, boast in his holy name. This would be testimony. This would be to share with those who are around of what God has done. His holy name, of course, his holy name carries us right straight to the doctrine of salvation, to the, to the truth of salvation. And when we think of salvation, we think of his creation. So he created everything, and then, at a, and then in just the right way, he created us. And then in his way, by his holy name, he saved us, boast in his holy name. And then the next element is to rejoice. Let the hearts of those who seek Yahweh rejoice. Be happy, be joyful that Yahweh, that the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the true and living God, is in our hearts. Seek Yahweh and his strength. He should be the focus of every, every service, every assembly, every time we're together, and we should be yearning for him and seeking him in this special way and seeking his strength. Seek Yahweh and his strength. Seek his face for him, that is to seek his favor. A Hebraism is that if, if he doesn't turn away from you, he turns his face to you, and that is a favor. God does that to favor us, to look upon us with favor. So we know that we can't do anything in our own strength. So when we do all of these other things, especially in talking to him and praying, we're, we're seeking his strength to do the work of God and to see the work of God done in the world is to understand that man cannot accomplish the word of God, it, the, the work of God. It takes God himself. So it takes his strength and his favor. And then reflect on all he's done. Remember his marvelous works, which he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth, his actions and his word. Of course, what he has done is written about in his word. So, if we're thinking of the greatness of his covenant, the first thing we think of within that is the great promise uh, that he has made. And we continue in the next part. Seed of Abraham, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones, his Yahweh, our God. In all the earth are his judgments. Everything that happens in earth, on earth, is according to the discerning judgment of God. Doesn't matter what it is. He remembers his covenant forever. He never forgets his people. If, it, if you put God to it, if you attach the name of God to anything, it's eternal. It's forever. It, was, it always was because of God. He remembers his covenant forever, the word which he commanded for a thousand generations, which he made to Abraham, and then the oath that he made to Isaac, and confirmed it as a statute to Jacob and as an everlasting covenant to Israel, saying, I will give to you the land of Canaan as the lot 
or, or the allotment, the, the lot of your inheritance. So, the last part of his great promise continues with verses 12 through 15. When they were few in number, indeed very few, and strangers in it, and when they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people, he permitted no one to do them wrong. And yes, he rebuked kings for their sakes, saying, do not touch my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. You can carry, now this was, a, you know, this was back in like 950 B.C. or something. But you can carry that same truth into this day. The nation of Israel. The Jewish people still exist. The world is still trying to figure out how to destroy these people. Everything that happens to them that tries to kill them, most of the nations of the world applaud or don't say anything at all and then let them respond to what happened and everybody condemns them for responding. We have people in Congress today who are decrying the existence of Israel. Why should it matter? I'll tell you why it matters. This, this overwhelming and profound desire to eliminate Israel is, of course, from the pit of hell. It's from Satan because of what we see right here. It's just a continuation of the covenant of the promise that God has made. Don't touch them. Do my prophets no harm. He rebukes kings for their sakes. It's just a continuation of what God had promised. God had promised that to paraphrase and to put together and to summarize several different parts of the Old Testament, God had, 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 has essentially promised to prove who I am, that I'm God, I'm go even though Israel is sinful at times, I'm going to keep you as a, as a distinct people. That's, that's the main barometer of, of, rec of, of recognizing and measuring the reality of the existence of God. There is no other explanation for how that little group of people, now they've been around all this, all this time, and yet in the world, and I read this just in the last couple of weeks, in the world, now there are probably others of the lost tribes. God knows where they are. We don't. But of the Jews in the whole world of what, eight, eight billion people or something? In the whole world, as far as, as mankind can tell, there are 14 million Jews. And... I think like 4 million of them or something like that are in the nation of Israel. The second largest population of Jews is in the United States of America. So as long as they've been in existence, quite frankly, their, their numbers just have always been a, a diminished number. They're just against the backdrop of other ethnic groups, they, they've never been... That numerous, although the day is coming when they will be, but not yet. And even though all of the world at times is against them and tries to destroy them, yet they're still here. Why? Well, because of the power of God. So in, in, 
in extolling the greatness of the covenant of God that he makes with his people. In there is the saying from Yahweh, do not touch my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. Within the greatness of the covenant next comes his great provision. Now this, we're going to go through this quickly. This is just an overview of the history of Israel. So he called for a famine in all the land. This is in the time of Jacob, in the time of Joseph. He destroyed the provisions of bread. He sent before them a man, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of Yahweh tested him. You remember the tests and the severe trials that Joseph went through, and yet he stayed true. The king, the ruler of the people, sent and released him and let him go free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all of his possessions to bind his princes at his pleasure and to teach his elders wisdom. And Israel came into Egypt and Jacob dwelt in the land of Ham and he increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. He turned their heart to hate his people to deal deceitfully with his servants. So moving through, this is an overview and a summary of the people of Israel, how they were brought and they were enslaved and how uh, Egypt abused them and uh, dealt hatefully and deceitfully with them. So from there, his great provision would naturally bring about with regard to the greatness of his covenant, his great punishment upon those who had enslaved his people. He sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen. They performed acts among them, his signs and wonders in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and made it dark, and they did not rebel against his word. He turned their waters into blood and killed their fish. Their land abounded with frogs, even in the chambers of their kings. He spoke, and there came swarms of flies and lice in all their territory. He gave them hail for rain and flaming fire in their land. And he struck their vines and their fig trees and splintered the trees of their territory. He spoke, and locusts came, young locusts and without number, and ate up all the vegetation in their land and devoured the fruit of their ground, and he destroyed all the firstborn in their land, the first of all their strength. So there is a sweeping summary of the plagues that God sent upon Egypt. This was his punishment, which was part of his caring for his people through his covenant. Following that is his great purchase, his great redemption. He redeems them. He, he buys them back. Egypt was, Egypt was glad when they departed, for the fear of them had fallen on the Egyptians. He spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light in the night. That's an interesting description of the cloud. Who knows what the Egyptians may have been trying to do to Israel, but as God brought them out, he, he covered them with a cloud and they weren't that easily seen. And then of course, that cloud became a fire 
that they might have light at night. The people asked, and he brought quail and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock, and water gushed out. It ran like a river in the dry places. God redeemed them. And in his redemption, he more than provided for them. They were satisfied. So this is God's great purchase, the redemption of his people. Finally, his great pleasure. For he remembered his holy promise. Well, I tell you, when the time comes, you repose in death. You sure hope God remembers his promise, right? Oh, Lord, don't forget your promise. He don't. He won't. For he remembered his holy promise. And Abraham, his servant. And he brought his people out with joy and with gladness, his elect. And he gave them the lands of the nations. And they inherited the labor of the peoples that they might observe his statutes and his laws. You see... God had already prepared the land. They didn't have to clear the land. They didn't, the soil was already turned over and there were, it was a land flowing milk and honey. It was, the nations worked the land and the people just inherited it. The labor of the peoples that they might observe his statutes and laws. Why were they brought there? They were brought there to observe the Word of God. Now, what about the Word of God? There, of course, came with them the outfittings of the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant when they crossed the Jordan back over into the land of promise. And Joshua and his armies were conquering the land, and they had a place where they would uh, attend to their rituals and their worship. Because it was in the Word of God, the law of Moses, which they had at that time. And they had the law which forced them to the rituals because they always were sinning, you see. You can't keep the law. Thus, the rituals and the sacrifices, all of those things were provided as a, as a worship of a humble and grateful and obedient people who just by the very fact that they offered sacrifices and observed the rituals was an acknowledgement that they were sinners in need of God's salvation. I've told you many times that the description of all of the sacrifices and rituals and days and, and feasts, and all of that is a lot longer and more detailed than just the Ten Commandments. Because God knew that the law was such that man could not in his fallen state, observe the law. But in failing to observe the law, he could observe the statutes so that by substitution, by sacrifice, God would look upon the law as having been satisfied. I like this last, I like this last phrase in this psalm. Guard, hallelujah, guard it. I've told you before, that's a, that's, a, that's a soldier's term. It's a sentinel. It's somebody who stands watch. 
watch over praise to Yah, Yah, which is the shortened poetic way of writing Yahweh's name in the Hebrew. So here, here's the cry. Guard your hallelujah. That's interesting. Observe, watch over your hallelujah. You've heard the old, the old preacher joke where people would either say amen or oh me, right? This is a call to say every time you hear something, make sure that it's an amen and not an oh me. Watch over, guard, protect over, hallelujah. Because praise to Yahweh is an extremely important, personal, intimate, and special theme in the life of every believer. And he should live his life such that it would always be hallelujah. It would always be amen instead of oh me. We're going to stop there and have our deacon prayer time. That's the fastest you'll ever hear me go through 45 verses. <laughs>